This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Today, we are joined by Junaid Kalmadi. He is the founder of Farmer's Juice, a company that delivers organic cold-pressed juices and wellness shots, including keto-friendly options at nearly half the cost than a juice shop that stays fresh for 30 days using an innovative technology called HPP. Welcome, Junaid. I'm so excited to have you. I've been loving your juices. How are you? I am so good, Cynthia. It's great to be here. I've been a fan of the show, so... Uh, excited to talk juice and life. Well, one of the things that I really appreciate and value is, you know, each one of our journeys that have gotten us to where we are today. And so tell me how you kind of evolved from, you know, being an undergrad, getting out to get your first job and then deciding to jump into the entrepreneurial space, which you know, is scary for anyone to do. What was the impetus? I know I was listening to you on other podcasts, kind of giving your story, but for the benefit of the listeners, what is about your impetus to kind of jump into the entrepreneurial space that really has gotten you where you are today? That's a good question. It's a personal story. I am 30 years old today. And happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you so much. And when I was in college, I actually came into college, was raised by a wonderful Indian mother, She gave me some of the highest quality love and she poured that love into her meals every day. So I grew up pretty healthy, but when I came into college, I got into the standard American diet and I began to just have a lot of sort of dietary stress that I didn't identify acutely at the time, but it caused me to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. And because of that, my cognitive performance went down, came into college with a scholarship. By the time I entered senior year, I lost all scholarship and I was at a point where I was going to like 50 plus job interviews and I couldn't get a single offer. And I was like, I had all these wonderful friends who were making beautiful plans for their life. And I was just sitting there in senior year. I was like, you know what? If no one is going to hire me, I had to look in the metaphorical mirror. And I was like, I guess I have to hire myself. So that's kind of out of necessity to move forward in life. I had to start my first company. And they say what necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. It's certainly true in, in at least my journey. And so I started my first company and went through a lot of sort of the typical, you know, self-doubt journeys and a lot of the blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, fast forward seven years into the journey in roughly 2016, 2017, I was at a point where I had, you know, a decent amount of sort of quote unquote outer material success and entrepreneurial success. But speaking truthfully, my inner life was bankrupt. I had a low sense of psychological well-being. My inner peace was missing. I still kind of suffered from the dietary stress that plagued me from college. And, you know, I just came to a point where I was like, you know, I achieved the quote unquote American dream, but where is my happiness? Where is my well-being? You know, money does not equate happiness. Um, I realized that at the time. So I did a radical experiment. I took six months off everything. And I just had the privilege to do that at the time. And I just focused on like a simple question, like what does it take to be a healthy, happy human? And just uh, what I began to do is uh, just introduce a ton of really healthy habits. So the first one was meditation. The second one was fasting. Uh, The third one was, you know, just fueling a lot of my relationships in life, be it family, friends, healing a lot of relationships and just pouring everything with love, every single life department. And over this sort of period of time, I came across cold press juicing. And I was very skeptical because I'd only heard of juicing as like, you know, cleanses or it's just really high in sugar. 
but I would go to this sort of juice shop that was, you know, a local juice shop in Austin at the time. And I would custom make my own cold pressed juices and, you know, pay a roughly, you know, 10 to $15 per juice. And they were very low carb, incredibly healthy. And with each juice, I would feel this like rush of vitality and this jolt of energy and actually like was noticing my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, everything was having this holistic, like kind of vibrance come to life. So I did this for four months straight. And I noticed by, you know, month four of daily juicing, I completely sort of had my life sort of go from black and white from the depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms to go to, to full vivid color. And it always kind of stuck with me, that chapter. So now starting my, I was looking for kind of what's the next venture that I want to start. I kind of thought about, you know, what if I looked into cold press juicing and, but it's expensive and I wanted to make it kind of affordable. So our juices are, you know, 599, most juice companies are 10 to $15. So that was the kind of birth of the original idea of farmer's juice. And what farmer's juice, what we do is we deliver nationwide organic cold press juices and wellness shots at nearly half the cost of a typical juice shop. And we work with an alliance of family farms in California. And by doing that, we use a lot of sort of non-aesthetic produce or ugly produce that would have gone into the waste or had like a low economic value for it. We use a lot of that non-aesthetic produce that, you know, there's some initial data that actually saying that has more antioxidant density in those produce items. And we also, in addition to sort of delivering these cold press juices, nationwide, we've partnered with uh, Dave Asprey, who is uh, one of our, our founding advisors to develop the world's first line of ketogenic cold pressed juices and wellness shots that are all sort of functional. So one of the green juices is called Focus Greens. It has matcha, cucumber, celery, mint, basil, ginger, uh, turmeric. Another one is called Lion's Mane. It has another one is called uh, Performance Greens, and it has Lion's Mane, which is an adaptogenic mushroom that's just known in Chinese medicine to kind of improve your brain's vitality and your cognitive performance. So we've developed this sort of functional and green juice line and there's, we've got a total 10 juices and we introduce two to three juices every single quarter. And the last step in terms of, you know, what we do is most juice shops or if you juice at home, it degrades within two days. It roughly you know, as soon as you make it, it begins to have oxidation and oxidation causes the juice to degrade. What we do is we use this innovative technology called HPP, which basically is a unique process that with nothing artificial added, it's, it's sort of machinery. So if you visualize a yellow school bus and you put in a juice or a shot into that school bus and you introduce enough water cold water and pressure that the juice bottle can go to the bottom of the ocean. So with the physics and the chemistry of this, with nothing artificial added, it keeps the nutrients intact and makes a juice that would have typically degraded in a day or two days, last fresh for 30 days. So we've kind of created this option. Like my first customer was myself and my close friends just to like have, can you incorporate juicing into your lifestyle and upgrade your sort of dietary basic needs by having a well-rounded lineup of veggies like a cucumber, basil, lemon, mint, uh, turmeric, beets, a little bit of apple. We're very sensitive in terms of the sugar and a whole plethora of Mother Nature's Kitchen in every single juice. Well, what an incredible journey and how amazingly insightful that as a 20-something, you were really trying to get connected to your why. And I feel like many people in middle age, which is where I am, struggle with that themselves, but you yourself were recognizing that you were maybe 
receiving some validation on the exterior of your success, but we're really looking to the interior. So you mentioned, and it sounds like your mom is probably a lot like Italian mothers, like my mom, your mom probably really enjoyed cooking and it might've instilled that in you. So let's start from, you went off to college, you got introduced to the standard American diet and that impacted your mental health and your mental well-being. What was it about the foods that you were eating that you think really made a huge impact? Like I am a firm believer that it all starts with food, that our health really starts with the foods that we eat. It impacts our gut health. It impacts the neurotransmitters that we're able to produce, the bulk of which are produced in our gut. So what was it about the college experience? Was it the dining hall? Like, I'm not sure where you went to college, but I feel like the dining hall food is sometimes like the lowest level <laughs> that's available to our students. Here we are, we send our kids off to college and then they're getting, you know, processed garbage. And then they're supposed to, you know, aspire to greatness when they're in their, you know, kind of second stage of education. Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. I went to a big 10 school called Indiana University Bloomington. Mm -hmm. And from my understanding, most schools have a similar sort of dietary staple. They give you a sort of meal plan. So you have to, you know, prepay for this meal plan for the entire year or the next semester. And the options that you get is what's available through whatever the college provides. Mm -hmm. So we had, you know, we, yes, we did have a sort of salad option, but none of it was to my knowledge, organic. And I would have thought that they would have gone the x-ray, but it, this was, you know, 2008. I doubt if many people knew what organic was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. There wasn't whole foods everywhere either. And there is a plethora of sort of, you know, the Burger Kings and a lot of the fast food joints that are everywhere. They're just everywhere on the campus. So it becomes mm -hmm. part of the culture that you, do, you don't even think about it. Yeah. Fitness sort of is a part of it, but a lot of people just, you know, in college, at least when I was there at the time, you know, there was a plethora of two unhealthy activities. The first one was unhealthy food. The second one was, I'm sure maybe you're aware of is the ADD and ADHD medications, you know, Adderall and Ritalin are just, it's everywhere in 2008. And I've heard it since I left, it's still a uh, pretty prevalent talking to the 20 year olds of today. So when I basically you take out anything that's hurting your system. Mm -hmm. So anything that you're taking, like fast food or any kind of food, because you have to be very intuitive. And I know you, you stress that to like, trust mm -hmm. your own body's inner intuition and kind of until you get to that point, you can go through an experimentation phase, but actually be diligent about getting to a point where you know what works for you. Mm -hmm. So by taking out what didn't work for me, by taking out all the unhealthy stuff, like, you know, the typical fast food or a lot of the pastas that, you know, you don't know where it's coming from and adding a lot of the positive things like just having a daily smoothie having a lot of just really high quality meats. If you do choose to have meats, having really high quality seafood. And for me, a lot of it has been, it's not just about diet, it's about your mental health. So for me, like meditation, fasting is one of the most profound ways, just fasting alone. If you fast mm -hmm. for 16 to 18 hours and you do it, you run a responsibly with a medical professional if needed, mm -hmm. but if not, you can really trust a lot of, you know, thoughtful resources like yourself, uh, especially with when it comes to women and fasting, that's just, mm -hmm. you have to be careful with multiple different factors, especially if you're, if you've never done it before. So I, I think with the combination of just diet fasting, you can turn around your foundational level to upgrade it. And, you know, we don't say juicing is a replacement for daily salads or smoothies. We think that, you know, in general, the soil most people are unaware of soil's depletion and its relationship uh, to your daily health. You know, if you take a step back, just talking about soil, most people think of sort of soil as just dirt. But what I would say is like, why should you even care about soil is soil is actually 
the living skin of the earth. It gives our plants the nutrients that it needs to grow. And plants are food for and fuel for our bodies, as well as for the animals. And if we choose to have a non-vegetarian diet and go that route. So it's an important national foundation that supports life on Earth's soilless. And by the year 2060, about 95% of our entire food production is going to be coming from soil. And, you know, the Rodale Institute is, it's a nonprofit. They're one of the pioneers of organic agricultural research. Their head researchers, you know, she said it so beautifully. She said, in every handful of healthy soil, there's more organisms that have ever lived in the entire history of planet Earth. Just in every handful of soil, more organisms that have ever lived in the entire history of Earth. So the key principle that Dr. Mark Hyman and Michael Pollan, you know, really emphasize over and over again is that you're not just what you eat. So you're not just, you know, the food that's in your fridge or in the grocery store, you're what your food eats. Mm -hmm. So if you go to, you know, a standard American diet and you see a lot of the fast food burgers or even generally burgers out there, a lot of the sort of cows are in, you know, that we're getting to be aware of now is massive factory farming. So they have just really low quality food. Like they're, you know, it's real cruelty in terms of how they're treated in terms of their environment. And there's a lot of emotional stress, dietary stress on them. And if you have that really low quality burger, you're not going to feel good because the animal has been mistreated. And so you're going to get that second order effect into your system. The same principle, even though people are getting more knowledgeable about grass-fed meat and having free-range chicken or just having more uh, consciously sourced meat, people are beginning to make that same kind of connection with soil Mm -hmm. because your plants come from soil. And if the soil over the past sort of 50 years, Dr. Mark Hyman, you know, he said the depletion of our soils cause our vegetables to have up to 50% less minerals and nutrients. And there's an overarching story of soil that is sort of, we've gotten disconnected with, but soil in general, because of its depletion, what I found is cold pressed juicing is kind of this nutritional insurance or this a way to get your nutritional edge in case, even though you were regular with your smoothies or regular with your salads, it's a way to make sure that you fill in the gaps to make sure you're supporting yourself and you're doing the duty of care to yourself and your family to make sure you get your nutritional edge. And if you're not there, it's a great way to kind of support your dietary and your your emotional and mental physical health by giving you this jolt of nutrients. And each juice has, you know, roughly a pound to 1.5 pounds of produce. And, you know, the produce items we use, we only use organic. We partner exclusively with family farms. And the family farms that we partner with, they care about the soil the same way they care about their children. So the quality of water that they give to the soil is the same quality of water that they give to their own children. So that level of precision, you know, with starting any food company, any juice company, any beverage company, you have to be mindful in terms of the sourcing. Because as an entrepreneur, I'm like, oh, like, wow, I am responsible for influencing the health of thousands of people. I, I want to make sure I do my very best diligent effort and take this responsibility seriously. So the way we do that is by partnering with this network of family farms in California. So that's kind of a little bit of the high level of why soil matters and why cold press juicing matters. And you know, if you take a step back even further, you know, most people are not aware of, you know, why does organic or non-organic matter? Like, and why have, why is our soil depleted? And the roots of sort of industrial agriculture, it goes back to a German scientist whose name was Fritz Harber. He invented a process for making synthetic nitrogen fertilizer. His other sort of big scientific breakthrough was the creation of poisons known as pesticides. And 
harbor sort of used his pesticides as the first chemical weapons in history in the gas chambers of the Holocaust. And that's what was the first use of pesticides. Most people are, are not aware of that. And now after the sort of war efforts ended, they converted a lot of the sort of pesticides farms, uh, pesticide producing factories that were used for war into farming because they had all this sort of economic and supply chain potential. And what fertilizers and pesticides allow to do is that there's any sort of yield deficiency. So say, for example, you could have, you know, 100 crops produced, but because whatever disruptions with Mother Nature or the farmer didn't do the right practices, um, you could produce 150 by adding pesticides. But the quality of those 150 in total now is a lot less, and it has these poisons in it. So instead of sort of understand and honoring the natural processes, you can just throw these chemicals in and you can focus on the short-term advantages at the expense of the long-term gains of the soil. So modern agriculture is not designed for the betterment of the soil. And what we kind of emphasize, the reason why it's even our company's call farmersjuice.com is that we focus on supporting the farmers. Because if you support the farmers, you support the soil, you support everyone's daily health you support the health of the planet as well, because unhealthy soil releases carbon. So it gives carbon into the atmosphere. Healthy soil captures carbon, and it can be one of our most undertapped allies in fighting climate change. So for example, the number one crop in America right now is called field corn, and it's uh, entirely sprayed by glyphosate and Roundup. And every year, which is a poisonous chemical, every year for every American alive, there's three pounds of toxic chemicals that are sprayed into the food. And there's over 200 peer-reviewed studies that now correlate the spraying of these chemicals to effects like ADD. We talked about Adderall, like the connection, maybe some link to the soil. There's been juries that have given out in terms of lawsuits against these chemical companies. Uh, For example, Monsanto got hit by a $2 billion fine for a cancer couple that got, that got cancer by using glyphosate. And there's thousands of other lawsuits right now. So what we kind of urge, you know, even if you're not thinking about uh, checking out farmer's shoes, just be mindful in terms of your, your supporting your local farms, going to your farmer's market, if you have the option to do that, or making the political civic action, buying organic at your grocery store and understanding like non-organic, even though it looks the same, there's subtleties, nuances that even a microscope can't catch. So that's kind of what we kind of advocate is just beyond juices. Can we be a champion of the soil, a champion of the farmers and for the future of the planet? Well, I think it's really important to bring greater awareness. I, I think the average person, much to your point, probably doesn't think a lot about soil. They very likely don't recognize that, you know, even organic farming that was done, like when my grandparents were younger. Our soils are so depleted now from, you know, micronutrients, including magnesium. Like I'm always talking about magnesium as one example, but between the magnesium depleted, depleted soils, and then also the amount of stress, you know, we've had this ever, seems like it's ongoing pandemic. There's just a lot more stress. So people are losing these micronutrients just through day-to-day existence and how very, very important. I always say you buy the best quality food you can afford. And so if it comes down to having to make differentiations when you're in the farmer's market or the grocery store between organic versus non-organic, Environmental Working Group is a great resource. You know, the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen, you know, really helping to, you know, kind of fine tune if you have to economically make some decisions. And 
you know, you also touched on, you know, livestock and how important it is, you know, how we, the food, our food eats is really important. And I always bring up the example of the Skittles truck. I wrote an ebook a couple of years ago with Primal Man talking about the Skittles truck that was overturned somewhere in the Midwest and it was being brought to a feedlot and people said, oh, there's no way that's, you know, urban lit myth. And I said, no, actually it's not. It's actually true that oftentimes farmers who don't have the ability to perhaps, you know, they're at a massive feedlot, they have quality, the quantity of animals far exceeds the quality that I'm sure they probably ideally would like to feed their animals. And sometimes animals that we eat are actually eating candy as a source of fattening them up prior to slaughter. So I'm glad that you touched on the importance of, you know, ensuring we eat the highest quality meat, fruits, vegetables that our budgets can permit. And that you talked a lot about pesticides, which I think for most of us, because we don't see it, we assume that it's not an issue. And I talk a lot, in fact, I have a whole board on Pinterest talking about Monsanto. I always say Monsanto is, you know, I'm sure derived from good intentions, but I know that it has really damaged a lot of smaller farms throughout the United States. I heard that there's even some punitive things that go on if you know, a seed from one farm that's affiliated with Monsanto ends up in another farmer's lot, even if it was a bird that picked up the seed, pooped somewhere else. And then, you know, they're, you know, being held accountable for that. So, you know, from your perspective, and I love that you're tying in the fact that these nutrient deficiencies contribute to mental health, you know, can contribute to some mental health issues. So when we are interested in purchasing juice, what are the things that people need to be looking for? Now, I know that you've touched on a couple of things that are really important to me and, you know, reminding people that if it's a juiced product, you want more vegetables than fruit. You want to be mindful of the amount of carbohydrates because we're already a very carbohydrate fixated culture. And so Mm -hmm. more vegetables than fruit. And I actually was stating before we got on our call, I was like, I have some of my family's favorites, which I definitely want to touch on because what I like about your products is that your commitment to supporting local farms is huge. Your commitment to using organic sourced fruits and vegetables. But I also love that there's a little twist on some of the things like you have a ginger immunity that my husband and my youngest son love that's got ginger and it's apple lemon, turmeric, cayenne pepper. So it's got a little bit of a kick. I love that you integrate adaptogens into some of the blends. So I'd love for you to kind of touch on what are the things, if someone is looking for a good quality cold pressed juice, what do they need to be looking for? How can they educate themselves? Obviously we're going to link back to your products. I mean, I know there's going to be some special offers, but what do people need to be looking for? Yeah, that's such a good question. We have seven criteria for any juice that has to hit the bar for us. And if you were to go and juice at home or juice anywhere, this I would recommend this criteria. First one is it has to be ideally organic for the points that we just touched based on. And if possible from family farms, because that just ensures that that's going to be the highest quality produce as well as you're just karmically doing the right thing in terms of the planet and the soil. The second thing is, I love that you touched base on that it's affordable. Mm -hmm. So if something is not affordable, you may just have it once and not have it continuously. And the best sort of positive upgrades to your system come with consistency. So affordability is a key aspect. So most juices cost anywhere between 10 to $15. Mm -hmm. 
that's part of our mission to make juicing affordable at roughly half the cost of that. So number two is affordability, because if it's affordable, you're going to do it more consistently. Number three is it has to taste good because that ties back to the principle of consistency. If it doesn't taste good, you'll have it once, twice, three times, but then you're not going to like consistently enjoy the process and you have to enjoy your healthy journey or your, your thriving journey, or if you're in the healing part of your journey, like it's very important to make sure that you enjoy it. So great tasting is number three. Number four is if you're sugar sensitive, which most of us want to be more carb conscious, just making sure that the carb content is under nine to 11 grams of total carbs. And the sugar is, you know, under five to six grams of sugar. And everyone has different sort of sensitivity levels and how much they exercise. So the more you exercise, obviously you're going to have a higher, you're just going to burn more fuel. So you'll have, you can take a little bit more sugar. So that's number four is just having it be low carb and keto friendly. Number five is just making sure that there's a well-balanced diversity of veggies and herbs and fruits. Because if you have too much of one ingredient, you're not going to get the plethora of micronutrients and the essential phytonutrients and have a well-balanced profile of nutrients going into your system. So what you don't want to do is just have the same juice over and over and over again every day. You want to have that diversity, which really gives you the maximum health benefit. The sixth one for us is, for us personally, is like, if you have just juice, that's great. But I kind of design all of our juices along with Dave for to have like a functional purpose. So for example, we have one of them called Green Athlete. It has maca root in it, along with one to 1.5 pounds of uh, organic veggies and herbs, because you want to have a signal and a trigger to yourself. So say, for example, you're about to work out, that you can have this uh, juice Green Athlete, then you go work out and you perform better. And then you have this positive reward mechanism, and then that can actually encourage a positive habit versus, you know, you have to exert all this extra willpower. So for us, I try to look for just having a functional purpose, be it a performance screen for performance with lines made for a deep work when you're trying to sit down and get into a flow state, or if you're right before workout. The seventh one is just being conscious and mindful about food waste. Uh, you know, most of the juice pulp. So, you know, if you take a step back, what is cold press juicing? So cold press juicing, basically, if there's any vegetable, it has two foundational building blocks. The first one is the juice or the liquid. The second one is the pulp or the solid. So what cold press juicing does, it separates the liquid from the solid. And, you know, the liquid, for example, for the cucumber, celery, and carrot, 70 to 95% of that vegetable is just liquid. But if you get one to 1.5 pounds of produce, of that in your system, which is the equivalent of three to five plates, a salad, you get that nutrient into your system. You're going to have this jolt of energy, but you're also going to have, if you're juicing at home or you're juicing at a juice shop, you're going to have a lot of pulp that can be potentially wasted. So, you know, to really sort of get a contextualization of why does food waste matter in the United States, food waste is estimated anywhere between 30 to 40% of the entire food supply. And that's based on, you know, the United States government's economic research. That's like 31% of all sort of retail consumer level. There's 133 billion pounds or $161 billion worth of food that's wasted every year. And that's a pretty consistent figure. So you want to at least do your part at home by reusing the pulp 
finding creative ways to either put it in your smoothie. But again, it degrades pretty quickly. So you have to use it the same day. It's a little bit of a work, but it can be done. And just asking your juice shop or asking a grocery store, hey, like, what do you do with the pulp? Just kind of being mindful about that because you don't want to contribute to food waste. You want to do your part in being a positive actor. Let's take a little bit of a spin. What are some of the ways that that you are getting interested and involved in the food waste piece? Because I didn't realize that it was that percentage, which is stifling. I know when I lived, you know, I trained in inner city Baltimore, and I know that there were a lot of organizations that would donate, you know, restaurants that, you know, if they had a surplus of food, they would donate to homeless shelters. But what are some of the things that you think beyond, you know, being mindful of the waste that's created when you're making juice, but what are some of the other, you know, ways that we can be, you know, kind of cognizant and resourceful about food waste in our areas? Yeah, that's such a good question. With food waste for us, what we've done is rely on our network of family farms. So after every single juice, after we have juiced enough of them, we have all this pulp, like a lot of pulp. So what we do is we drive out to the local California dairy farms and we donate them to a lot of the cows. So there's a lot of happy cows, cows. <laughs> in the middle of California and they, they're so excited. This is like really high quality nutrient dense food for them. So we do that. And we're also starting a second initiative of partnering with, with farms around California and even beyond to donate the pulp to enrich the topsoil. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that, we can really create the circle of life effect that we're sort of really enthusiastic about creating. And we could either donate it or just, you know, do it at minimal cost because if we can enrich the soil and actually get the produce from that soil back into the juice. That's just a really virtuous loop that makes us super excited. In general, to answer your question around how do you be more mindful about food waste within your own home and you kind of your, your daily purchases, you know, it starts with just awareness. So making sure that you're purchasing just for what you think you will actually use and being mindful about that. And it's okay to get a little more and make, you know, purchase more and make a mistake. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But just having more sort of conscious loops in your purchasing cycle every week or every month or how, whatever frequency you buy groceries, it just starts with mindfulness, really. I think that's such a good point. I mean, I have teenage boys and there's not a lot of food waste in my house unless we create a meal <laughs> that's a total bummer. But the joke is that we can't make enough food. I mean, these teenage boys, their appetites are just unbelievable. But I think being really conscientious about your purchasing, you know, really being diligent about meal planning, being aware of like what your family likes. And I tell my kids all the time, I've been fortunate that my kids were getting vegetables from the first time they were eating real food. They like vegetables. They like some fruits. They're generally tend to be very carnivore focused. They eat a lot of meat, but their bodies are growing. And so that's obviously something that is, you know, without question, now, I want to touch back on one of the things that I really appreciate at the beginning of our podcast discussion was that you were creating rituals for yourself, you know, the rituals that are part of your day or part of your day-to-day -day that have really grounded you and allowed you to evolve as an individual. Of course, I love that you talked about fasting, but meditation and things like that. And so do you feel like your process kind of evolves? I feel like 
For me personally, when I left clinical medicine almost five years ago, one thing I became highly protective of was how I started my day. Because for many years, it was I was up very early, rounding in the hospital very early. Maybe I got a workout in, but my day was rushing from one thing to another. So now I'm in a position where I really like to savor specific parts of my day and my morning ritual is really like the whole tone for how I start my day. So how has that evolved for you? I know that you are still very much a young man, but I would imagine you seem you're like light years ahead of many of us. It took me a whole lot longer to figure this all out, but the way I start my day is so critically important. sounds like you probably start with fasting, maybe some meditation. What else is part of your day-to-day, you know, the things that you absolutely positively need to fit in in order to feel like you're starting on the right foot? Yeah, that's such a good question. For me, peace is the most important foundational asset, inner peace. So whatever is weighing on you emotionally, mentally, to face that head on, be it fears, be it doubts, be it attention with relationships, to really take the time to introspect and you know exercise humility to know what you know and where you don't know, ask for support and help. You know, I tend to be a very independent person and I don't ask for help. And for me, like I'm very open about sort of my depression and my anxiety over the years. And like, I love my therapist. Like I totally enjoy whenever I talk to him and it's not this position of like, oh, self, you know, awareness of, of weakness or whatever. It's, oh, wow. I want to give myself love and make sure that I don't cause unnecessary suffering. So for me, is I would recommend introspection, journaling, and thoughtfully doing that to just whatever gets you to that inner peace, because that is priceless. Nothing in the world, and that's the spring of joy, you know, so you can have happiness. And to introspect, what I would recommend is, you know, you can do it from a place of stress and anxiety, or you could do it from a place of unemotional bias where you have peace. So you can go on a long hike or you can go exercise. You can do it at the end of a fast, which is probably one of the best times to do it. Or after a meditation or when you're at a calmer state, you know, you can make a better strategy. You can have a better clear lens of reflection, because if you introspect when you're stressed and you're nervous and you have all these things, you may write something down or have an understanding and storytell your way into not a fully accurate picture. So I'm very diligent about introspecting. I keep a mental diary. I'm like, oh gosh, I hung up with my mom, you know, five minutes earlier and I wasn't too kind towards the end. I was just like mindless about it. You know, I'll send a note after and say, hey mom, I love you. You know, and that makes my heart feel better. So just little things throughout the day, like keeping a mental diary too. Like little things go a long way (laughs) for me. So especially when you're making, especially in human relationships, yeah. Absolutely. Now let's pivot back because one of the things that I was really impressed by, and and I'm always very transparent with my listeners, you were very generous on a very large container of juice, which, you know, we had taste testing, we were trying all sorts of things. But one of the things that I really appreciated beyond the fact that they were organic and very thoughtfully, you know, kind of thought out was that you have these lower carb options, because especially for women, women of a certain age have to be a little bit more mindful of the carbohydrates they're consuming more from green leafies and less from starchy things. And so was it a byproduct of being out in California where I feel like so many people are a little more health conscious than they are on the East coast, or was that really a reflection of just the low carb movement? What kind of got you to a place where you were positioning yourself, where you were going to create a line that was specific to, you know, carb conscious keto conscious endeavors? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. Personally, I used to weigh roughly 40 pounds more than I do right now. And when I started fasting, doing intermittent fasting, um, and just being low carb, I got into ketosis for a year and I lost, I lost quite a bit of weight there, but just having a, a low carb lifestyle for me personally, because I, when I enjoy food, I like to enjoy food. I don't like to be feeling guilty about things after I eat them and have, you know, like food should be joy. It shouldn't be uh, torture after I eat something. So for me, just having a generally low carb lifestyle is just how I like to operate. But in addition to that, you know, there's uh, roughly, I believe, 125 million Americans that are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And most people may not even know that. So the general sort of uh, baseline is most people have, and also there's 240 million people that are near obese or obese in America. Those are a large volume of people. So if we, as a company, want to create a juice, most juice companies, you know, have 40 to 60 to 75 grams of sugar. Mm -hmm. Can we make sure that it's just four or five grams of sugar per bottle and it's all coming from veggies? So that was kind of the inspiration is my own personal story, but also just looking at these vast statistics of people who are pre-diabetic or obese, like, can we be part of the solution versus being part of the problem? And, you know, there's this interesting company, it's called uh, Levels. Levels is a continuous glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a tech company. And what a, what a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor does is it's a little patch that measures your, your glucose that you put on your arm or your thigh. And it gives you almost real time data. If you eat, for example, an orange, or if you eat, you know, a salmon, it gives you that real time data. How did that affect your glucose and your different biological markers? So, you know, they were sort of really uh, well-known and kind of taking off now. So I, I reached out to their team and their team is, you know, a group of Stanford researchers and SpaceX engineers. So they're very sort of, they were very skeptical uh, when I reached out and they're like, you know, we're going to do a test with your green juice that you co-developed with Dave Asprey with naked juice, naked green juice. And they did a side-by-side -side test and they saw that the naked juice had a massive spike in terms of the glucose within 24 hours, mm -hmm. but farmer's juice did not have any kind of spike. Uh, it was very, very minimal, very manageable, and it did not cause a significant outcome, a negative outcome there. And it's important to acknowledge that because at least for us, most juice companies, you know, you can promise health, but even with good intention, you can have high sugar content in there that can have a harmful daily biological cost and even illness if you're pre-diabetic or obese. So, you know, during COVID, you know, a compromised diet, you know, with high sugar intake can make one pre-inflammatory and risks mm -hmm. your body's entire immune system. And yes, there is a pandemic and yes, we have to be uh, cautious, but we have to also acknowledge there's two pandemics that, and the second one's not being talked about. The existing pandemic is unhealthy lifestyles that have been going on you know, with the standard American diet and just a lack of balance among your different health habits. And if you have this vulnerable pre-population that has a compromised immune system, and then you have COVID on top of it, that is the perfect storm that we've gotten ourselves into. If we were a more, if we were less immune compromised as a society, one can only imagine it's not too far to kind of think that if we were very, very incredibly healthy, yes, there will, would still be the kind of losses and the medical system stress, but it wouldn't be to the degree perhaps as we're experiencing right now. And that's, you know, oh, this is coming from functional medicine doctors like Dr. Mark Hyman. Well, you must be reading my tweets because that's what it, lately it's been about. The real pandemic is 
metabolic inflexibility. And I love that you touched on CGMs. I've been wearing my NutriSense Libre sensor for the last two months. And I'm very transparent and always share that I've been very carnivore-ish for the last two years. And what I've come to find out is that I actually had to increase my healthy fats, you know, go more moderate protein to keep my blood sugars really optimized. Although, you know, I'm healthy, I fast, I get plenty of sleep, I manage my stress. And so I love that you went head to head with Naked, which not surprisingly, because I think the last time I looked at a Naked bottle, it had 30 or 40 grams of sugar in it. I mean, absolutely no surprise. but how neat that you were able to go head to head and be able to compare that information. And for those that are not familiar with what a CGM is, it's a continuous glucose monitor. And one of the things that I've gotten very vocal about is that this is something, this technology should be available to everyone, not just pre-diabetics or diabetics. It should be available to all metabolically healthy individuals so that you can see how your body reacts to stress and nutrition and sleep and all of these things and certainly your delicious juices. But I have to tell you, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. My two favorites were Athletic Aid, which has uh, turmeric, ginger, and black pepper, and then Focus Fuel, which has apple, fennel, lemongrass, which I love, jalapeno, and matcha. These really kind of cool flavor profiles that were really interesting. And hopefully listeners will take advantage of the offers that you're making. So before we kind of wrap up today, Is there anything else that you feel like is important for people to understand if they're purchasing juice, you know, what do they need to be focused on? I know we touched on, you know, quality, making sure that, you know, as I mentioned to people, most juices that you find in the grocery store, the vitality of the juice, the polyphenols, et cetera, have likely in order to pasteurize them have likely killed off all the beneficial attributes. So what are the things people really need to look for? If they're not in a position where they can maybe invest in a, you know, a hundred dollars worth of juice, if they just want to pick up one locally, what would you suggest to them? What would be like the top three things they should look for? Yeah, that's a great question. What I recommend is to invest in a blend tech or a Vitamix kind of blender and begin to make a smoothie combination of if you have a base for juice, great, or you can just use water or something else, another kind of liquid like almond milk or another nut milk that, you know, ideally you're making at home, but you can also buy it from somewhere else too. And then you make sure 70% of that is a diverse base of greens. It could be dandelion greens. It could be celery, it could be cucumber, and then also add herbs like basil, mint, and to top it off, ginger, turmeric would be fantastic. And then you can focus on some of the sort of higher end antioxidant dairies, like blueberries are amazing. And on, in addition to that, I like to add a little bit of fruit. I like to do either one orange or one apple. And one great hack is if you put apple cider vinegar in a smoothie, it actually is a natural preservative. Mm -hmm. So it can, if you blend it and you have, you know, enough for a couple of days, you can kind of put it in a container and have it the next day. You can even stretch it and use it the third day, but I typically like to have a 48 hour consumption cycle. So if you're starting out and, you know, juices are too expensive, like I've been having, you know, a daily smoothie almost every day for 12 years now since college. And I like to have smoothies and juices because I like to make sure that my, I'm just at complete high cognitive performance for work and for my family relationships and my friend relationships for my relationship with my own self. So if you want to get your nutritional edge, we recommend juices, obviously, but if you're starting out, I wouldn't say choose juices first. I would say choose a smoothie first. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Well, thank you so much. Now, how can our listeners connect with you? How can they find you online? Let us know what's the easiest way to do that. Yeah. So if you go to farmersshoes.com slash Cynthia, yeah, you get $5 off with a coupon code Cynthia at checkout. So we recommend, you know, to support this podcast and go to farmersshoes.com slash Cynthia, which is spelled uh, as people know, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. Yes. And actually one of the things that my friend Ben Azadi has encouraged me to do, which I will do is I'm going to do a whole sequence on monitoring my blood sugar with my CGM while doing a day of like juice fasting, which is something that I think is like a really fun way to kind of change up what you're doing. I do one 24 hour fast every week already, but I think it might be a fun variation. I think everyone gets a little bored. So you have to try different things, but I've been really happy. My kids have been happy. I mean, the thing that makes me laugh, my 13 year old particularly likes the ginger immunity and he'll just go in and steal one. And of course, because he's 13 and his metabolism's like a hummingbird and he swims, he can eat or consume anything he wants. But even my football player, the one who's like the doubter has been enjoying the juices as well. So thank you again for your generosity. And we will put all the information in the show notes. Fantastic. It's great to be here. I'm so happy we can uh, serve the health of you, Cynthia, and your family. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. 